Well, Lord willing, let's make sure. <laughs> Lord willing that this works and doesn't freeze up because it's been freezing up. Try to do this on the phone, but nonetheless, I'm Joshua, the world's mayor. Welcome. Uh, we have an amazing gentleman, Daniel Larson, calling. Hello. For Moose Call for subject to monitoring and may be recorded. Your call will now be connected. Thank you for using GTL. Hello. Hey, Daniel. How are you, man? All right. Hey, do you prefer Josh or Joshua? Thank you for asking. I prefer Joshua. I really don't care how my first name is pronounced. <laughs> it's pronounced um, Daniel, right? Yeah. A anything but calling me late for supper is the old joke <laughs> Daniel, tell everybody who you are, where you're at, and what's going on, please. All right. My name is Mr. Daniel Leland Larson, L-A-R-S-E. Um. I'm at the Minnesota Sex Offender Program in Moose Lake, Minnesota. I have uh, prepared um, uh, a writing on this since my short-term memory does, does seem to fail me from time to time. And if everybody's okay with it, I'm ready to start reading this right now. I might have a few extras beside the letter. Yeah, go for it, man. And thank you for being here. Uh, Why have I been incarcerated for 45 plus years? Uh, my name, of course, and uh, when I was 15 years old, authorities in the state of Minnesota locked me up in a maximum security facility. I have been, I, I have been here now for over 45 years. I have never been charged or convicted of a crime. I am being confined because the state has made a prediction that I might commit a crime in the future. Unless something changes, I expect to die here. Um, when I was 10 years old, on July 28th of 1971, I witnessed my mother being murdered. Uh, the man who did it uh, shot her point blank. Uh, I then testified about it in court. I was then sent to live with my grandparents. I was angry, sad, lonely, and confused. I did not know how to process the murder of my mother. I needed help, uh, but had no one. The night of the murder, I was at the old downtown courthouse being questioned by a police detective who was asking me what kind of a handgun was used to murder my mother and her girlfriend. Uh, I did not know one handgun from another as a 10-year-old boy. So instead of checking with ballistics or asking me if I would uh, look at a book with photos of handguns in it, the detective pulls out his revolver, almost shoving it in my face, uh, scaring me. Um, 
76, I was evaluated at the security hospital in St. Peter, Minnesota. I was 15 years old. On September 27th of 77, Judge James Knudsen ordered that I be committed indefinitely. I was never allowed to go to court to defend myself. I was committed anyway. At the vulnerable age of 16, uh, I was sent to a maximum security facility with adult men. Oh my God. I now have, I now have, uh, I now have been here for over 45 years. There is no end in sight. Um, it, is it possible that it is my destiny to live? Plus, civil commitment is a death sentence for most 
you really want your family members to be sentenced to death in places like this, uh, my sincerest hope is that the politicians would come down from Mount Olympus and learn what it means to be human again. Instead of, instead of um, victimizing children and others until death, which the state of Minnesota and its officials have done. I also wish that our governor, Jim Walsh, would come to see this place for himself so that I might, so that I could uh, share my ideas to the solution to this warehouse program that costs the taxpayers too much money with no positive results. If he were willing to take time and hear me out uh, before making a decision, after all, it never hurt anyone to just listen. Uh, thank you for listening to more of my story. Uh, if you have any questions or would like to talk with me, please leave a voicemail for me at the facility by calling 218-351-1900, extension 11984. If you would like to learn more about this very important issue, go to thevoicesofocean.net. Uh, if you would like to connect with others who support this cause, go to NMSOP Facebook page. Thank you. Um, the other question I would have for the public is why is it that the man that shot and killed my mother and her girlfriend spends three years in Stillwater State Penitentiary and gets off scot free, and I spent all these years locked up at this? Uh, I don't know if the public will accept this or not, but it's the truth. Um, some woman by the name of Mrs. Pillsbury from the Pillsbury Flower Mill Company supplied either my my mother's killer or his attorney with cash to get him out. They claimed self-defense, but it wasn't about self-defense. So, you know, I don't know what else to do. If anybody has any questions, like I said, you know, Hey, I I have something, and it's kind. Of, it may sound unorthodox, but there's a reason I'm asking. The people that are in wheelchairs there. <clears throat> I, this this is going to sound like a strange question, but are they slumped over in the wheelchairs? Are they are they do they look like they're seated in it correctly? Okay, there's. I don't know if you have a pen, but I want you to write down a couple things because I know you guys are allowed to do some research um, and you know, kind of look into things regard related to your case. Well, two things. One, last night on the news, they were talking about civil commitment because there's a situation. It's it's a different type of civil commitment. It's the other civil commitment, um, not the one that you are dealing with but it's the other version of it, but it still ties into MSOP. 
So this was on the news yesterday in an article, and they're talking about how these prisons are not safe. They're not giving proper health care. They're not proper conditions. That came out. It's on the news. I'm linking it to this conversation also, by the way. But what you what one thing that you may have on your side is the way that people with disabilities are treated there. There are laws about like, for instance, whether it's even proper uh, daily living activity equipment. So if somebody's not seated in their wheelchair correctly, if somebody has is getting a sore from their wheelchair and it's not being properly taken care of, these are major, major issues that very well could be overlooked um, by everyone because it's, you know, not everyone knows their rights. I worked in healthcare for 18 years. And the one thing that I've, I ran up against a lot and had to fight a lot were these laws. And, and you can, these laws are there for a reason and it's to protect the people with disabilities. So with the mental health side of things, you guys have a strong argument in my opinion, but you may have an argument that is hiding in plain sight with the way that people are being treated that are disabled. So I would look into disability laws and, 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 and especially regarding equipment, proper medical equipment, that stuff, that may be a glaring gaping hole that may help you all. That's not obvious because I know that you guys have, there's a lot of different arguments and there's a lot of different reasons to fight. Um, and, 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 and obviously the most obvious things that we hear every time we talk to you guys, but the, there's never anything new. And I can tell you right now, the way that people with quote unquote disabilities are treated, there's a lot of laws that are set up to protect them. And there's a lot of special interest groups with a lot of money that are also, um, that would jump over something like this if indeed they are in violation there. So it's something it's worth checking out. Yeah, because uh, you have one minute remaining. I can call back if you want. Yeah, man, do it. Um, yeah, all right, let me finish what I was gonna say okay. then I'll call back. Uh, my friend who paid for his own electric chair has uh, well, he has disabilities and he gives stores and things like that. Um, but he, he's, he's also angry at the way he was treated here. Now, that's why sometimes he verbally lashes out. <laughs> yeah. And um, right now, there's chairs on the fritz, you know, and these people won't bother to help him, you know. And I've known this individual for a long, long time. Um, and it's just appalling how he gets treated. He, he's, he's dragged off to lockup yeah. with no clothes on from time to time. You know, um, yeah, you can't and they that. put him in one of those gurneys from the hospital, the, the outfit or whatever that robe is. And uh, this is already. <coughs> He's reached out for help several times to outside agencies, and he doesn't have no luck. Thank you for using GTL. Well, so I don't know how well and how loud he is coming through, and he's going to call back. They can't do that either. This article, I'm going to link this article. I don't want to read it. But this is really good news in the world of civil commitment. Like for people that are 
I've had enough for people that have been a victim of this. And I know it's really odd to put sex offenders and victim in the same breath as, as far as saying that they are the victim. Because a lot of these, these men and women aren't guilty. Some have never been charged with an actual crime. Others served their time. What they did was not even that. Sex offense is this blank term. And unfortunately, slapping somebody on the butt that you know could be a sex offense, that you're friends with could be a sex offense. He's calling back. Here we go. Hello. Calls are subject to monitoring and may be recorded. Your call will now be connected. Thank you for using GTL. Hello. Hello. Welcome back. Yeah. Hmm. Um, can I take a real quick second? I gotta grab a mouse click. Yeah, of course. All right, hold on a second. Um, but what's happening isn't right. He's never been charged. But there's other stories like this. And but what he's talking about with the people with like one legs. To give you an idea, a decubitus ulcer requires a $300,000 flap surgery. So that that wound that opens up, $300,000, that's what it was the last time I worked in healthcare. So it's probably more expensive. That, it's a problematic, very expensive thing. So if it's not properly treated, not only are they putting their life in danger, but they're causing them way other issues too. All right, sorry, Daniel. Go ahead, man. I'm 61. I was born March 8th of 61. And uh, I have arthritis in my left hip. I recently took uh, an ultrasound for my left uh, shoulder, bicep area, and things like that. Mm -hmm. And they never let me know what the results of that uh, ultrasound was. I have a nagging cough that started after I took my second shot for the COVID uh, out of all three shots. They tell me what it's not, but they won't tell me what it is. So I'm I'm personally at a loss on that. So does any of your listeners have any questions that they might want to ask? Well, not to give you too much of a peek behind the curtain, but we're not live. We're recording, <laughs> but no, we're not live. Um, no, 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 no. It's okay. It's okay. I I actually did a broadcast earlier, and I was talking about how I miss broadcasting live. I miss the interaction. Um, but anyway, no, we there, there are no questions from them. But I do, I have a question for you. Um, the I can't imagine. I I know what it's like to be falsely accused of something. And then and like and have my life kind of de- deetering on the the edge. But that suffering lasted a matter of hours. How in the world? Like every day, 40 some 41 years you said you've been locked in there. 
and uh, with no forty-five plus, and you like how? What makes you not put a bullet in your head? Well, I've never been suicidal. First and foremost, uh, two, I have. Just to take me home. Yeah. You know, it's on my I don't know if uh, if uh, my my class action Larson versus Minnesota is going to get me or anybody else out. I'm trying, you know. Um, but, um, I think one of the ways I survived is trying to always treat others with the utmost kindness, courtesy, decency, and respect. Even though I don't always get the same in return. happen to any 
even somebody who's an official. Oh, hang on a second, I gotta wipe my nose. <laughs> A likable human. But anyway, um, you know, like I said, it can happen to anybody. I've even seen, when I was at the security hospital, the old one, uh, down St. Peter, where staff themselves have been arrested by the police taken off to prison and such like that because uh, two of the cases that I know they went to prison for incest with their daughter. Now whether they were guilty or not, I don't know. You know. But we've also had staff there that have had problems with drugs and alcohol and things like that. So I mean, you know, staff are not immune from this. <laughs> no, because we're humans. I mean, administrative staff, you know, um, and clinical, they think they are good. <laughs> they, they have a, well, at least in my opinion, they have a, a God complex. <laughs> and they do, too. Yeah. And some, a lot of the line staff, not all, but a lot of them, you know, they're pretty decent, but every so often you'll get one that will go on to a God complex. And, you know, that, that, that's really hard on people, you know. I mean... Because you're being treated as, less as? Exactly. You know. Yeah. Um, I've been told no all my life. The normal thing that I should have, you know, had, you know, no matter what it was, you know. And, um, but, yeah, I persevered through all of this. My mom, she had a good heart, so she liked to help out everybody, you know. Hmm. My mom, too. Fondest memory of my mom. See, she was killed on the evening of July 28th of 71. But on the 4th of July, she put on the best backyard barbecue dinner for the entire family that she's ever done in her life. Even better than my grandfather, which is her dad. That's hard to beat. Because, <laughs> you know, my grandfather, he was a full Italian. So, and uh, a lot of people put down my mother and stuff, kind of claim that, she, you know, she was unfit and that she denied me medical attention and all that other stuff. I say that's not true because I'm proud of my mom. Because she was a single mom, like a lot of moms on our planet. And she did the best that she could do with what she could afford and everything else. Yeah. And wow. She, when she could afford medical attention for me, she got it just like that. And my sister. And, uh, she ended up getting us a two-story house with basement, uh, a several-car garage, uh, with the exception of the one, because it has a door going to our backyard, she rented out the rest. She went to high school to try to improve herself so she could get a good job. I think 
um, if I had to name one fault of my mother's, is she just had bad taste in men, but nobody's perfect. Yeah. You know, but other than that, she was a good mom. You brought up, uh, you mentioned God. And uh, yes. other than Daniel, you're really the only one that I've spoken to that ever talks about God or even wants to hear his name. What does God mean to you? Uh, he is the creator of all things, both here in this solar system, other universes. You know, um, this is where all life has, has sprung from him. Um, I know a lot of people will talk about, let's go as an example, the Lord's Prayer. You know, um, he, we ask him to forgive us our trespasses as we would forgive those who trespass against us. And even though a lot of people in the world, you know, may say that, how many people actually believe and practice that? You know, to forgive others. Wow. We carry the word of God around our billfolds all the time. The dollar bill, the coin, and such. It says, in God we trust. In our courts, when we get sworn in, we tell the truth. So help me who? So help me the system or the judge? No, this mm -hmm. will help me God. You know? And uh, the Ten Commandments, I believe in them. I follow them, even though some are confusing. I'm not exactly sure how they're <laughs> supposed to be interpreted. And meant, you know, you know, meant, not meant. You know. But um, other than that, you know, I try my best. You know, um, I'm not perfect. I never will be. But I try to live my life according to him. As well, um, I know he goes by many names. The word God is just a title, but his name is Jehovah, or in the Native American language for Ojibwe, you know, it's uh, Gichimanidu, and such. You know, every culture has a name for the Creator. You know, and you have one minute remaining i wish people would learn a little bit more about god you know it would probably help them in their lives <laughs> amen amen brother you're welcome back anytime god bless you all right i'll give you the final words man yeah and you got my um not like my address but my phone number and voicemail so Give me something once in a while. I will, man. Give your number out again one more time. Area code 218-351-1900, extension 1194. 94. All right, man. Anything else? Uh, not that I can think of at the moment because this is my last call for a while. So. Okay. I'll, well, I'll talk to you soon, brother. God bless you. Thank you for being here. Uh, thank you, too. Bye-bye. Uh, I've heard a 
about Daniel, it just dawned on me this entire time when I first met Tom and Daniel Wilson, I heard about Larson. I just remembered because I remember making the cover art for Daniel Wilson and I accidentally put Larson because I'd heard so much about this guy. It humble. I the most humble. He's just humble. I my heart breaks for him. I didn't want to ask him if he did it. I mean, I'm not going for hard hitting journalism awards here. I wanted him to talk. I, I wanted him to be heard. I uh, I can't imagine what he's dealing with. And what this is like for him. I can't imagine. But I'm hoping with this languishing in jail, let me see if I can share this. I know I can share it. I'm saying that because I'm, I forget which one I'm supposed to actually click. It's this one, okay. <laughs> this article. Let's see what you can see. So, might as well watch it. Wait. Is it not going to play? State of Minnesota, Minnesota to explain why it's leaving dozens of people in jail for weeks and even months after they have been found mentally unfit to stand trial. trial. Investigative reporter Eric Rasmussen said live news are now to explain how one case out of Scott County is exposing a much larger problem. Eric, Leopold, that case involves a man who's been sitting in jail for 50 days since a judge committed him to get mental health treatment at the state hospital. Minnesota law gives the Department of Human Services 48 hours to move after, after they've, they've been, been committed, committed. But, but lawyers say DHS, DHS is, violating is violating that law right now, right now in, dozens in dozens of cases. Of cases. Members of the Department of Human Services and their lawyers walked into a courtroom at the Scott County Jail this morning on orders from a judge. She says the state has been violating the rights of 27-year-old Anthony Blake Swope since mid-September. That's when a court found him mentally unfit and committed Swope to DHS for treatment. Now his lawyers are suing Commissioner Jody Hartstead for leaving Swope behind bars. We all know he's got mental health diagnosis and he's not getting proper treatment in jail. And as a result of his condition, is getting more, more symptomatic. And I think if you sat, if you sat in court today, 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 you could see some of that just visually looking at him. Shakopee police arrested Swope at St. Francis Hospital in June after, after what his lawyers called a psychotic episode in which he's accused of kicking a security guard. DHS tells five investigators the shortage of beds at facilities such as the Anoka Metro Regional Treatment Center has swelled and 61 other inmates across the state waiting in jails. We work really hard. We work concerned as everyone is about getting people into treatment as quickly as possible. But not quickly enough for Judge Colleen King saying in court that Swope's wrongful incarceration constituted an emergency over the objections of DHS lawyers. And their approach, approach to this from the beginning, from the beginning. is just, just to, to dip, dip, dodge, dodge duck, duck. <laughs> point, point finger somewhere, somewhere else, else and, and 
you know, I'm guessing, I'm guessing we'll just we'll have to see how it plays, plays out. That same judge is getting DHS until next week to either get Anthony Swope in or provide a detailed explanation about why it can't. can't. For months, For months now, now, we've been investigating violations of the state's so-called hate follow-up. Here's why that matters. Because well, in the article, which I'll link to this, it's talking about the conditions, the the horrible conditions that are present also. And then people are not getting proper treatment. So there's two different different, there's two types of civil commitment. And the gentleman we just spoke to is dealing with one version of it. And it's like the bastard cousin of this version, but they tie together. And so I'm praying that this draws attention to the crap that's happening at MSOP and it's happening in Kansas and happening in Jersey and happening in California at Kalinga and happening in Texas and happy. I mean, it's, it's all over. There's two in Minnesota. And it affects everyone. And I'm not a scholar on this. I'm not an attorney. I'm not a, like, I care about a lot of different causes that I want to draw attention to. So, like, it's hard for me to get too obsessed over one thing, but this one sucks. Like, I can't even imagine. Like, I I love Tom. And Tom, who's been on my the show before, and it screwed what they did to Tom. And what I see with him now. It's he, there's no doubt that Tom is a freaking genius. Like he could be the biggest gift to society. But he's wrongfully accused and he, the, his anger is going to kill him. And he knows he loves God. He loves the Lord. He knows what anger is going to do to him. Maybe. Or, I mean, maybe he still knows. I I, I don't know. Because eventually, you just get blind by it. And Tom watches from time to time. So, I, Tom, I love you. And I'm, I, I'm praying for you, man. I, It's heartbreaking to watch the anger come out of him. He's hurt. His life taken from him. He can get his life back. He's, he's an opportunity to get his life back, and I want to see it happen. But I want to see it happen for Daniel Larson, Daniel Wilson. I want to see it happen for, uh, I mean, everyone. I've gotten to know a lot of these guys and their families, and what's happening there is not right and then you know like i want proper justice not inhumane justice and i believe that god's going to make all this right it's going to take a supernatural experience supernatural like it's going to take god doing what god does i believe but i mean how many people are running to go listen to what a 
sex offender has to say. Like, oh, let me let me work on his case pro bono. Like, someone's got to do it. Someone's got to do it. There's some attorney out there that can take this on. There's some attorney. Like, you know, what I envision and of how we get to help in this, and we're committed to helping. Like, I don't, freaking sucks, man. Like, I'm sitting here, like, sitting here on my broadcasting, and, like, even though I know I'm going to broadcast again, and I know that God's going to make my dreams come true. I mean, as long as I stay serving the Lord, I know my dreams are going to come true. That's just what I believe. And I'm going to do it the way that he's leading me to do it. And so, like, failure be damned. I'm not concerned about it. But at the same time, I'm like, all right, this is my last one. So, I don't, or last one for now, maybe. I don't know. Like, it's like, I kind of want to, like, it's like I feel like I'm on the Titanic. Just being like, I'm going to be the last one playing my violin. I think that's what happened. Don't remember, <laughs> and I don't care either. I just don't care, but that's what it feels like. You're like, okay, I'm gonna stay here stubbornly. I'm just gonna put on my fine coat. Actually, I forgot to put my jacket on <laughs> for this broadcast, so <clears throat> I was gonna have all my finest linens on and just go down with the ship and be a cliche. <laughs> Honey, is that you or the cats? Oh, okay. I, I mean, I'm broadcasting, but I thought it was the... I didn't know if it was the cats. I got nervous. Hi, honey. I love you, too. <laughs> we have a Maine Coon. It's kind of big. Kind of a big cat. And <laughs> he's maybe bigger than that. With his tail, he's like this long. He's so big. <laughs> so I don't know if he somehow figured out how to get in the cabinets, even though we have them secured. But they're clever cats. Anyway, but part of what we envisioned is, you know, because we are a nonprofit media organization. We wanted to continue to operate doing what we're doing, elevating the voices of the people that come to our network or come to our foundation. So the blogs that we've been publishing, I've got a new one Francis just sent. I don't know if I, well, you don't know her last name, but she's the preacher lady blog, preacher's lady blog, pastor's wife, preacher's wife blog. <laughs> Sorry. My wife started writing again. Oh, by the way, honey, you need to send me your actual blog. You need to send me your actual blog. You sent me the pictures. No, I can't. But so my wife has an amazing blog called Jessica and God. That's worth checking out. Are you letting the cats down here? Oh, oh boy. So anyway. And you, oh, by the way, the other reason why I don't want to broadcast like this, I mean, like I'll do these broadcasts, is because I really enjoy the 
out-of-body experience. I enjoy being on stage and getting to engage because I enjoy questions. I enjoy being able to talk. I enjoy that part of the experience, but I also enjoy getting immersed in it. And um, there's, it feels good. It's like one of those experiences of just, it's like me and God, because I can't see anything that's out there. Even though I'm engaging and talking and actually talking to people, I don't, it's it's different than like just seeing somebody that you see at a bar, or, you know, you're walking up at the church and yes, I just did the two side by side because, well, first of all, I like to eat dinner at the bar. What I, it doesn't even, whether I drink iced tea at the bar, who cares? It's like the best place to eat is at the bar. In church, you can say both in the same sentence. But, you know, waking up or you're shaking someone's hand and talking, you see people different when you do that. And then when you're in an intimate setting, community gathering, you're hanging out and breaking bread, you see people different then. But when you're on stage and there's an audience, you've got all those faces and all those eyeballs looking at you. And you, like... It is, it's this very surreal experience and it's a different thing for everyone. And like, so whether you're a musician, you know, anything, any, whether you're, you perform with, with a sport in front of people, I mean, I think it's different for everybody. But when I was a cheerleader and we competed was different, a different experience than playing football in front of a big crowd, playing golf in front of people. But there's something about being on stage because you know, even being an inspirational speaker or talking about God or sharing your testimony, being vulnerable, pouring your heart out. Like basically cutting yourself open for people, not literally, but metaphorically. Or is there a better word for that? Anyway, it it's a different experience and you have to be in a different place like then you would be with casual conversation mentally in a different type of focus, a different type of preparation, a different type of experience. And the reason why is because if your mind's not right, a heckler or someone that comes at you, someone that's on their phone, not listening to you. And here it is. You're pouring out your heart and soul. Somebody's doing something else. Like, you know, you're not in the right headspace that can get to you anyway. So like I enjoy this and like I enjoy not being able to take this as serious and just being able to talk and hang out and doing something casual, but don't get it twisted. Having the professional setup, doing my shock jock style evangelism style tonight show, traveling, serving circus, <laughs> it's like what I want to do. And I want to take it serious. I want to be able to leave the stage and be done. Like, oh. like I just played a football game. I don't know what that says about me. I don't know if that's bad. I don't know if that's ego. I don't know. I don't care, actually. Until God convicts me of it being something that's not right, I don't care. 
what was the point in all that? I think I'm, I, I don't. Oh, I think it was because of the distractions. But I enjoy, but like, and see, like, I don't like when that happens, really. But I'm choosing to have fun with it. I don't like when my technology sucks. And for some reason now my camera's working okay. And the reason why you see me, if you can see me keep looking down, it's because this screen has been a 10 second delay every broadcast. And you have no idea why. Troubleshooted the heck out of it. Like basically rebuilt my computer. Thought that I was gonna have to quit using this computer. And now all of a sudden it's working. I don't get it. And the only reason that happened is because when I broadcast the last time from my phone going, well, this may be my only option. I'll go back old school broadcasting the way that I did when I first started. I'll go back to humble beginnings, God. Like, I have no problem with that. Well, then I did that and our guest called and guess what happened? Well, there was 10 minutes of content before that, but then he calls and it can't hear me. I can hear him. He can't hear me. So anyway, it wasn't working trying to broadcast from my phone and talk to somebody from a phone. So then I had no choice but to come here because I, and I almost said, well, dude, my phone or my camera, this, this is not working on my phone. So the camera, this camera and the computer mic isn't working. So we got to cancel the interview. The interview I totally had forgotten about. And thought yesterday was my last broadcast, but instead I did a bonus one today. And I did this one. It ended up working out. After all that, I wanted to quit. I wanted to go, ah, eh. But I didn't want to quit. I don't want to give up fighting. I don't want to give up being a voice for people. I want to do it in the biggest, loudest way possible. But for the right reasons. These men and women that are locked up in civil commitment, like these stories are horrible. And I'm not an expert on it, but need more voices, need more of what just came out in the news. Last night, we were watching it. Never, I never watched the news. We put the news on last night because <clears throat> got up way too early. <laughs> Did not want to get up that early. But we decided to like watch the news and to unwind, which is a terrible idea. Like, why would we do that? We know the news is a lie. But then, randomly, on the local Minnesota news on its app, because we don't have TV, there it was. And we're watching the video. And immediately the connections start going off. Like, wait a second, this is a good sign. Because this is press. This is real media. So the fact that we got to broadcast to go along with this, and we're going to use that content, by the way, to piggyback off of it, to try to drive even more awareness to what's happening at MSOP and other places. Because people like Daniel's voice need to be amplified. And... I don't know really, like I didn't get into relationship with Jesus because that wasn't the question that I asked Daniel, but it sounds like it's more of a God relationship and like 
fine. Jesus is going to show up anyway. Um, but I, I, I want to believe that God is using Daniel right now in this awful situation. Like there's times that I want to feel sorry for myself because again, like I don't want to lose this network. I don't want to lose our foundation and I don't want to lose our home. But man, it's not like I haven't lost a home or homes before. Been homeless. Mind you, it was a different situation then. <laughs> but I did. I was. I've lost everything a few times. I, I, I mean, my life was a wreck before Jesus. So, like, I'm playing with house money. I, I don't look at my failures or lack of success the way that I want to be successful, the way that I believe I'm meant to be. Because I have the work ethic, the skill set, the wisdom, the knowledge, the experience. And I believe it's part of my destiny because of how I'll use it. I remember when I didn't have that attitude. But like losing superficial things, I, I don't care about. I'm willing to lose my life. Telling people not to get the, the, the jab In giving them the reasons why, in March of 2020, telling people who the beast was, telling people about the beast system, telling people about the fourth industrial revolution, telling people about how it ties in with 5G, how it ties in with the Internet of Bodies, what graphene oxide and mRNA technology really is. I, I mean, suffered a lot of loss telling those truths, kicked off networks, ruined relationships, affected my relationship with people I love, my family, people think I'm crazy. So like that was, that sucked. That was heartbreaking. Losing my network is not heartbreaking. Because it's not like God's done with me because I've lost it. We lose it if we do. We have big dreams and big visions. And, you know, if, if, if we lose it and we're given another opportunity, um, I'll make sure to have more teammates next time. Just because I tried to do everything by myself with Jessica and to do things the right way where it's monetizable, at least with the skill sets we have, we would need, we need help. Can't do it alone. And there is a monetizable way to give away the network. And there's a monetizable way to give away media services. Like to be able to give it to those who need it and still bring in revenue. We get to figure that out. Because, I mean, look, I believe that the financial system we're in now is a beast system in itself. And there's levels to it, of course. But I, um, 
like I'm, I'm all about finding solutions for problems. And I don't look at this as a problem. And so Daniel, going back to Daniel and others, like just because God, like the circumstances that you have now that look crappy, like awful, evil, sucky, vile, disgusting, horrendous, dysfunctional, toxic. If you're breathing, God's not done with you. And number two, you may hate where you're at. You may hate the job you have. You may hate your circumstances, what you're doing. And, you know, some of you have the actual power to let go of those things. Some of your circumstances you can't let go of. Like, I mean, it would be physically impossible. Like there's some things that you just have to face. And when you're stuck in prison, that is a reality that you can't change right this second. But what if I told you that God, if you don't know already, that God can use you in a big way even in a place that you don't want to be at. Like, what if you were there for an actual reason, like a very important reason? It was almost like it was your God-given secret mission. Your, you know what I'm trying to say. It's your assignment. It's a tough one. It sucks. Could have taken something else. A cancer fight, HIV, addiction. Like you, you've got this, this fight that just doesn't feel fair sometimes. But it's in your life. You're there in it for a reason. And sometimes just knowing that, that simple little shift out of your, your mindset of, hey, maybe it's not the end of the world after all. Maybe I do have hope. Maybe God does love me. Maybe God's not done with me yet. And maybe that little subtle shift of energy is enough to help you make one more right decision. To take one more step in faith. To not give up just yet. Not. I think God's going to use, I mean, like Daniel Wilson, Daniel Larson, their stories when they get out and they shut down those walls are going to be very powerful. Tom's story is going to be powerful. Um, a lot of the, the guys, and I'm, I'm forgetting some of the names now. It's <laughs> COVID brain. Um, 
my prayers and uh, my heart is with each and every one of you. And I believe with all my heart that you're going to do extraordinary things. And for that matter, anyone who's listening right now that is stuck in some kind of prison, whether it's proverbial, metaphorical, <laughs> literal, um, like God's coming for you. God wants you. God's not done with you. And even if in the face of like looking like you're losing the things that you love and care about, it doesn't mean that God's done yet. It just doesn't. I've been through this too many times to worry at this point. Because why would God have kept me alive? And some of y'all got to ask yourself that. Like, why would God have kept you alive if you weren't worth anything? If you didn't have a, an important purpose? Man, I promise you, surrendering your life for what God has for you. Because really, that is your life. Like this whole, this is my life and my choice and my body and I'm going to do what I want with it. Well, yeah, you get that free will. You do. But I would rather trust the creator with what's right for me and what's not. And or to decide when I'm done or not. And I'm not done. And God's not done with you either. No matter what your circumstances. But the sooner you get to what God has for you. It starts with surrender. Thank you for watching. And uh, so we'll be back. Some capacity. I don't know what it's going to look like yet. Um, but the good news is we have livemana.org and livemanaworldwide.org. So no matter what happens, we're still moving forward. God bless. Thank you.